Welcome back to another School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, uh, joined as always by Matthew Chandler. And this week, a, um, a special guest. He's joined us once before from the Royal Blue Mersey page, um, Brian Lewis. Brian, how are you doing today? Uh, uh, you know, I would have been a lot happier with a win, I'll say, or at least a draw. Matthew, how about you? Yeah, same boat as Brian really, isn't it? But I think at least me and you have been there before, haven't we, Juno, the last few weeks? So um, I'm sure Brian will give some sort of fresh takes on another Evan defeat, which they all kind of look the same. Burn it all down. Yeah. Yeah, just burn it all down. Start over. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, um, this, this podcast has kind of turned into a weekly therapy session for us again. Um, unfortunately, you know, it was great when we were having fun and enjoying ourselves, winning games in September, and now it's back to just kind of, you know, regular old Everton <laughs> um, against teams that they probably should be beating, that they're not beating, and of course this week it happened again. Uh, Everton took on Leeds at home, lost one nothing. Uh, there were two changes from the Fulham win, Holgate and Davies in um, Holgate replacing Mina in that three at the back. Uh, Davies um, in for, I guess, technically Dean, even though Wobi was moved to left back, left wing back, and Davies came in at right wing back. Um, obviously, Rafinha was the one uh, goal scorer uh, in the 79th minute. He had that strike that uh, put Leeds ahead for good. Um, it's, you know, four defeats in five now. I mean, where, where do we start with this? Uh, obviously, you know, we could talk about leads and how, I guess, easy they had it in attack. They had 23 total shots. Um, you know, I guess we'll start with the defense. Uh, Brian, thoughts on the system and personnel Ancelotti went for in this one? Yeah, I mean, I know I saw online Ancelotti getting a lot of stick for the formation, but when you look at who's available, I'm not really sure what you do. You know, I, I, I think it's obvious who he trusts and doesn't trust, especially in defense. And there's a reason we don't see John Joe in the back. Um, you know, we, we don't even see, um, you know, Delph in a, in a left back position, especially with how leads presses. And I think that that's an important thing is, the expectation was we were going to be under pressure in the back and we were, there was a lot of pressure. So you need players, not only that Ancelotti trusts, but that can play the ball out of the back, pass through the press. And when you look at who's available, I, I mean, a three back system was kind of the only real option there. Um, un unfortunately, we just don't have the depth deal with injuries especially multiple injuries in one area and that's where we're at and you know until we change that in the transfer market we're not we're going to see games like this we're going to see good runs bad runs you know amazing wins and infuriating losses but that's just where Everton's at as a squad and it doesn't matter who's managing I think um I think probably part of the problem is that when you win your first four league games and then when you win seven in a row at the start of the season, um, especially for 
a fan base that's had like hardly anything to shout about for ages now. Maybe it, it, you know raised expect expectations too much. I don't think Everton were probably as good a team as they might have looked in the first four games. But equally, I don't think they're as bad a team as maybe four defeats in five would suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Brian's right in that we don't have the depth. We've got the players. We've got you know we've got a big enough squad. But I think the the problem is how many of them actually lost. I think um, you know you take one or two players out of what I would say is our best eleven. You know the team that played at Tottenham or West Brom or uh, Palace. Um, take even like one of those players out, like we've seen with Luca Dean yesterday and Richarlison before, and um, you know the team's almost completely unrecognisable. Um, and you see on the bench yesterday, I mean the bench was full of kind of old players who have had their their chances now, Evan, and kind of on borrowed time, you would think. And I think that's that's problematic. He's kind of having to get by with with you know a good. A good starting eleven, and then a, a really mediocre, uh, you know, bunch of sort of has-beens who've had probably too many opportunities ever beyond that. Um, so, I don't think he got it. I, I, I understand why he stuck with three at the back, and I think three at the back probably gives extra protection defensively to players like Iwobi, who are playing in a wing-back role. But um, I don't. I didn't understand. Moving away over to the left because I just felt it. We had a lot of width when he played on the right at Fulham, and I think we lacked that yesterday with him moving sides. Um, so for me, I think Ancelotti's not beyond criticism because nobody should be, but at the same time, I think you kind of got to temper it and say he's still working with, you know, what is for the most part other people's squads. And I think maybe if you look at it in a year, he will probably have something all closer to the team and, and the squad that Ancelotti wants. Yeah. And for the for the most part, for the time being, he's going to have to accept that games like this are going to come along this season because, especially with such a quick turnaround in the summer between last season and this season, it just wasn't going to be possible to completely rebuild a whole squad. Um, so, you know, while the start of the season was fantastic, I think maybe, like I said, people would be less upset about results like yesterday if we had maybe amassed the same number of points, but in a less extreme way. Yeah, I think um, I think that, you know, our starting 11, when healthy, I think is very good. Like, I don't think – like, I think our starting 11 is good. It's just when those players go out. We haven't had Seamus Coleman, and, you know, I, we might have had him for, like, half, what, half a game that one time they came back from injury, and then um, he got injured again, and he's been out – since then, um, you know, obviously haven't had Dean for most of the games that we've lost or for a couple of games we lost for Charleston, we missed for, for three of the games. So, um, you know, I, I think when we're fully healthy and fully available, I think that the starting 11 is good, but you're right. It comes down to the bench and um, I don't know. It, for me, it begs asking the question, where is Nkunku? Where is Gordon? Um, not because – you know, no, who knows what they – it's more because of the unknown. Um, you know, as you said, Matthew, it's a lot of players who seem to be reaching their end um, at Everton that, that were on the bench yesterday. Um, and we know a lot about what they can do. We know what they can do. Um, and we've seen it time and time again not work. 
Um, so, you know, it begs you asking the question, where is Nkunku? Where is Gordon? Because those players just, I mean, in my personal opinion, if you're going to play three at the back, I feel like Nkunku would have maybe offered more going forward on the left than uh, with, and then with Awobi on the right, it might've been better. Um, but we'll never know. Um, if we don't, if we don't play him, we'll, we'll never know what that, what that looks like. And, and for Gordon, uh, you know, especially towards the end of that game, there was just a lack of creativity. We couldn't find the final pass and the final third, you know, and, and, you know, maybe Gordon can, you know, impose himself in some way, but again, we don't know and we won't know unless we play those players. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's tough for, um, it's tough to see those players keep, or Ancelotti keep trotting those, those older players out who we know what they can do when we have this young talent. Um, obviously in the midfield, we, we played, um, Allen and Ducore in the midfield to start. It was just a midfield two. Um, Matthew, um, your kind of opinions on that. Did it feel like we were a bit exposed in the midfield there? Yeah, but I, th- I think it, it did because I think you see just like how how wide some of the empty spaces on the pitch were, especially as the game wore on. But I think um, I think Alan showed maybe where his best position is yesterday because I thought he had a much more effective game playing slightly higher up the pitch. I know he's not he's not massively creative midfielder, but I think that role suits him probably better than playing as a defensive midfielder um, probably did. Um, he was he was probably the most tenacious, probably the most um, hardworking and kind of dynamic player I thought we had yesterday, Alan. Um, but in that in a midfield too, I don't think him and Decorey really work on their own. I think they need an extra an extra body just as an insurance policy, really. Um, and you see, yesterday, I mean, it it was like we'd never it was like we didn't know what to expect from Leeds. I just thought because you know they've had. This is their third season with Bielsa, and they've played pretty much this way the whole time in terms of sort of high pressing, high energy game. And the way we the way we set up, I just felt wasn't suited to kind of counteract that. I get the I get Brian's point before that it's like the best we can do with the players we've got, but I just felt with this, especially with this midfield too, I just felt we got exposed and kind of got swarmed in that area of the pitch really. Um and. <sighs> I mean, yeah, like I said, I understand that the back three, I think, gives the wing-backs more of a license to get forward, I think, but just so with the will be moving over to the left as well, I just think um, wasn't he wasn't best placed there because he's obviously cutting inside. And you watch Charleston as well, and Charleston, I mean, I have no idea where Charleston was meant to play yesterday because he kept sort of drifting in towards Calvert-Lewin and also drifting out. It looked like he kept waiting for Iwobi to overlap him in the way that sort of Luca Dean does, and obviously that's not Iwobi's game, so he, that was never forthcoming. So, yeah, um, just a host of problems I think yesterday in the setup, and like I said, I'm not going to overboard on criticism for Ancelotti because he's got a lot more right than wrong. It's just yesterday I just think maybe it cost us the way that he he set the team up. Brian? Yeah, and Matthew, your point on Iwobi, it's like if, honestly, if Nye and Coleman, or even just one of them, was healthy yesterday, a 3-5-2 would have been really interesting because they would have gotten forward. But I, I think the one thing that 
does mess with players, especially the first time playing against Leeds, uh, is, you know, the, the press, things like that are fairly common, you know, or at least players see them enough. But the defensive scheme is what really mess, can mess with people because Leeds man marks across the entire pitch, which is something that's completely different. Like you, you think about it conceptually. I, wait, you're telling me everyone is going to man mark. It's a, I, you know, you're going to go get, you know, Richarlison. That's your guy. You're following him all over the pitch. And I think that unsettles people a lot the first time it happens, even if you're prepared for it. Because then if you turn the ball over, it's not necessarily tracking back, you know, normal expectations of how soccer works. Players are in completely different positions. Uh, you don't have banks of four and things like that. Um, and, and I think that especially when we were going into the attack, you know, we, we'd transition and do well, but then we kind of get stuck almost. Yeah. Um, I kind of describe it, uh, you know, the common criticism of Moyes when we were playing inferior sides where it's, all right, well, we get all set up and we just dink the ball around because we don't have that creativity. And it's like, and we have much more creativity now, but we, we didn't quite know what to do with it. Um, and, and then, yeah, in the midfield, we just, we never really put things together. Um, I, the first half to me was, it was a very bored. Um, I was very bored despite the excitement. You know, it was, oh, you'd have a great shot or a great save on either end. And then it seemed like nothing was really happening because no one could get control of the game. Um, and, yeah, I was honestly stunned that Leeds had 23 shots when I looked at the end. I never, I never would have guessed that just because I would expect a much more either exciting or infuriating game, uh, you know, depending on which side you're on when you hear someone has 23 shots. Uh, but, yeah, it, it it's kind of that, you know, maybe the next time around in the return fixture, it'll be a, a little better. Um, obviously, if we're healthier, it'll be better. But also just the players being a little more comfortable playing against that system would help a lot, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, you know, there there were some, in terms of the shots, it's, you know, Everton did have shots themselves. They had 15 shots themselves, and 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 I believe they won the on-target shots on-target battle um, as well. Um, so it's not like they didn't get good chances either going forward. It's just, um, you know, especially towards the end, they lacked that little bit of creativeness to just find the hole in the defense. And the couple times that they did find the hole in the defense, uh, it happened to be offsides and, and goals were ruled out, which um, obviously – VAR, I think, I think we all can agree, at least in this one, um, even though we were on the um, short end of the stick on this one, I think we all can agree that, you know, VAR served its purpose and, and you know, was, you know, correct in at least this, this, um, well, it, it was correct. Yeah, it does, but it does, but would you, depends what kind of side you're on, whether, whether you want the element of human error in the game or whether yeah. you want absolute, um, you know, clarity at the at the detriment of like the flow of the game, because um, you know I I agree with the decisions because I think in both goals, both players Rodriguez and Godfrey were offside, but um, 
well, it, it, a lot it, of VR. I mean, I don't, I don't really like talking about VAR because I just find it really mundane. And but I guess but the thing people say about VAR is that it's not worth having it because of the way it just it puts pulls the brakes on the game for two, three, four minutes or whatever. Um, and it would, they would be quite happy just to have this kind of um, sort of margin of error, margin of human error, if you like. So. I don't. I don't know whether it's better or not to have it at the moment because it seems to be taking like increasing, increasingly centre stage in the Premier League. I mean, the sort of Liverpool well, game yesterday was the same, wasn't it? Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I think um, at least in your terms of flow of the game, you know, I, the Rodriguez, the, uh, the the first one was obviously. Were they both? Was the flag up on both of them? Yeah. Right away. Yeah. Okay. So it wouldn't have really. I mean, it wouldn't really mattered. I guess for us, they were both the correct decisions, and and they. Um. But I mean, if if the flag wasn't up for either of them, and Everton score, obviously that changes the whole flow of the game. You know, if it was a you know human error rather thing. So I understand what you're saying there. Um, Brian, any any opinions on VAR and and what Matthew was saying? Yeah. You know, the the big thing, and obviously, you know, you and I. Being in the U.S., replay has been around for decades in various sports. And the the biggest thing that soccer has a problem with, with VAR, is not defining, like, clear and obvious errors. You know, yeah. it's, hey, if it isn't obvious, like, offside is going to be an obvious. You know, even if it's minuscule, it's either yes or no. So it's, you do it, you they can get much better at it. And I think offsides are pretty quick in general um, on the turnaround. But for everything else, it needs to be, hey, if we're looking at it, if we can't determine it in a minute, call stands. Like well, they, just, and just move, your move on. Yeah. Yeah, right. And call on the field stands. It's like, hey, this could be the wrong call, but we don't have enough evidence to overturn it. Um, the other thing that I really, really hate with VAR is the kind of let it play out concept. Like I get it there, especially with offsides. I mean, I understand the whole like, Hey, we're not going to call until we let the result play out, but we're going to have an injury. I mean, heck, you know, not the, the Van Dyke incident doesn't, really count because I think even if the flag went up that was such a bang bang you know that but something like that at the end of a 20 yard run where he was obviously offside you know make the call and go with it occasionally yeah it's going to be wrong it's going to affect it but move on like the, there needs to be calls made based on what the refs see then VAR can go back and go, yeah, yes or no, or hey, we can't look at it because of X, Y, Z. So you would, um, would I, you I think it? that. Yeah, go on. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, oh, would, you put, I, would you put like a time limit on it then? So say if you haven't reached a conclusive decision within like 60 seconds, then just go with your instinct on it. Yeah, or uh, uh, it'd be something like, yes, uh, the 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 replay official has 60 seconds to look at it or and, and maybe you say he buzzes you know like oh hey a penalty in the box type of thing yeah 
he buzzes down, lets the ref know, calls in, hey, I'm looking at this. It's 60 seconds and he can't say yay or nay. Mm. The call stands. And, and you tell the refs, call it as if VAR is not involved. Yeah. And then whatever happens, happens. You know, it's, I'll say occasionally in uh, the NFL here um, in the U.S., you run into a situation where the refs blow something dead a little early and replay shows, oh, wait, if he had let that play out, a different thing would have occurred. But that's, you know, I'll, I'll say that's uncommon. And it's probably worth it to keep the game moving. Um, I mean, especially here, for soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, still here in the U.S., even though we've had replay, we, you know, we don't have a time limit on replay. And I mean, there are times where NFL officials, even though they have that, that I guess out of saying the call stands as opposed to the call being confirmed. It's still like I was at a game uh, a year or two ago where there was three replays in a span of like five minutes and the ref took like legitimately five to 10 minutes on each of them. And so like that happened, obviously in football, there's stoppages all the time. So it's not, you know, it doesn't affect the flow of the game as much. But, you know, you don't want that happening in, in soccer or football, uh, you know, European football, because um, because obviously the flow of the game is severely interrupted because there are no stoppages. There's no, this, the, the clock doesn't stop. So, I mean, yeah, I, you know, if, if a time limit was brought in, that might help. I don't know. It's just like some of these things are so, um, so close. And obviously, again, we didn't, you know, VAR was used, and I think, correctly and, and quickly in our game. Um, obviously in the Liverpool match, um, there were, there was much more controversy for that. Um, but, um, I think, you know, there's obviously still some complications with VAR that need to be figured out, um, in that term. Um, but in going back to like the actual, you know, the players on the field, the, the game, um, other than VAR, um, where do we, (laughs) where does Everton go from here now? Obviously, you know, Ancelotti's tried a couple different things, um, you know, what is next? Obviously Dean is out now for as, as, as you guys or as I'm sure everybody has heard at this point, he Dean's out for at least two months, I think two to three months, something like that. So we won't see him until um, a while from now. So we need to figure out what is going to um, or how we're going to work without that. What is your guys opinion on how, on where we go from here? Um, well, I think, the the ridiculous schedule that we've got over Christmas means that Luca Dean probably wasn't going to play every game anyway. So um, kind of needed to have a kind of contingency plan at left back anyway. So I think um, I guess what we learned yesterday is that it's probably not Alex Iwobi. Um I think you can play Fabian Delph there, but I think if you play three at the back, there's more of a impetus on the wing back to attack more and I don't think Fabian Dell's really got that in his game. I think he's he's more suited to playing in a back four if he's gonna be at left back like he did at Man City. Um so apart from that, I mean I personally would give opportunities to players like Gordon and certainly Gordon and Kunku. I think maybe he's made up as he's made up his mind on Kenny now and, and I kind of agree with him on that because I, don't, I haven't really seen that much from Ke- John Joe Kenny. He suggests that he's Same. probably good enough. Um, I think I just, I just 
the, the thing I thought yesterday was that every every kind of attack we made was always kind of just felt really kind of off the cuff and there was no sort of real passage of play where you look like we worked on that on at Finch Farm and we're putting it into practice here. It was all just kind of um, reactionary and, you know, the two goals we, we scored, which very are overall, but from, were from set, set pieces, which we kind of scrambled in. Um, so I'd, I just, I'm not expecting like a massive points return from December just because of who we're playing, but I think if we can just have a more clear game plan, I think, than we showed yesterday or we showed at Newcastle, particularly, or Southampton or Man United, then I think that will give me some encouragement, even if we don't necessarily win every game. Because uh, at the moment, it just kind of looks like we're muddling through the season. Um, which is a shame because of how well we started as well, isn't it? Um, so, I mean, there's a lot for Prince like to... Again, I don't blame him for a lot of it, but there's certainly a lot for him to, to uh, cause him headaches there anyway. Brian? Yeah, and it's hard because when you look at the schedule, you know, Burnley, yeah, we should win that. And then you've got Chelsea, Leicester, Arsenal, Sheffield United and Manchester City in the Premier League. Plus, we've got the Carabao Cup uh, against United um, right before Christmas. So, you know, there's a couple winnable games. There's maybe one or two draws in there. But I, it, it really, you know, there, to go back to some of the earlier conversation about the youngsters, and the concern to me is, if you're seeing youngsters that we've seen in the Premier League play some matches, uh, not get in the team, that generally means they're not consistent in training. You know, it, it's a, they may have a good day, bad day, that type of thing. And so that trust isn't there. And maybe they can kind of get amped up if they're playing you know, oh, I'm I'm in I'm in the squad. I'm playing. Oh my God, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna nail it down. But th- that's when it's easy. You know, if if you're in the squad, like let's say you know against Manchester City right before New Year's, and I mean that's a that's a really tough game. You know, even for a full squad, and you're gonna ask Gordon or Brentwaite or whomever to come in and play. At, you know and hold possession and sit back and be disciplined and then counter. I, if I'm a manager, I'm not even bothered. I'm like, you, you can't show me in practice. Why should I trust you in a match? And, and that's kind of where I think with the youngsters, and this has been to be fair, a common problem we've had at Everton for decades now. I mean, and I'll risk opening the rabbit hole of Unsworth in the Academy, but we just don't have, we're not bringing along premier quality players right now and so we are stuck with the the old slow midfield that we decided to go by what i guess six seven years ago for god knows what reason um and so i i kind of am hoping Ancelotti looks at the squad and, and almost switches from a how do i attack the opponent 
to what can we do to maximize the strength of the players we have? Yeah. Because I, I think Enchilati prefers to try to attack the opponent's weaknesses. And when you're, you know, at Real Madrid, at, Juventus, at, at all these top clubs with money and big squads, you can do that. But I think here you've got, there's got to be more focus on us and what we do well and, and what these guys can do. And that can look different match to match, you know, it's, and you can tailor for the opponent a bit, but I think we've a little more focus on us will, will help us, especially I think in the winnable games. Um, and then obviously in, in some of those bigger matches, it's just how best do we kind of bunker down, hit on the counter, hit some of those weak spots to take advantage of the problems. Because, I mean, every match is winnable. You know, it, it's not like we're playing, you know, it's not like Arsenal or City and United are the teams of old of even five years ago. You know, I, we, in, in a crazy world, we win every match in December you know, even with the injuries we have. Um, highly unlikely, but that's what I think it says more about those squads compared to previous years. I think as well, I would, I'd, I'd just add that I think, um, I think it's a good point. Like, you know, you have to earn your way into the team in training, but then there's a lot of players who may be like terrible trainers, but, you know, really like get, get in the mood on match day and, and turn up and produce their best football when it matters um so but you know Ancelotti sees more of these players than anyone else so I think yeah we while we can we can sit and get annoyed about certain things I think you to a point anyway got to kind of bow to his his uh, more informed judgment I would guess but all I would say is that like I think we've said this before that we're not going to learn anything necessarily new by giving like Chengtos and the chance over Ellisons or, um, you know, Alex, I mean, maybe Alex will because he hasn't played there before, but Alex will be over someone like Niels and Cuckoo or, um, you know, uh, Anthony Gordon over whoever else you want to play at left wing. Um, so I think that's the frustration is that, that, that maybe if we're not going to win games, then at least give give people experience and, and I think yesterday probably showed more than any game yet that maybe Ancelotti is not particularly well he doesn't have a lot of faith maybe in these in these kids or that they're maybe not up to like Brian was saying they're not like at the, the required level that we need them to be um, but it just I guess for me, as a supporter anyway, like I learn more about Everton from watching that if we give them the chance than, than say, giving some like late, late twenty something, you know, their 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 umpteenth chance in this, in the team. Um, so yeah, it's it's just frustrating because I think there's no real like crumb of comfort from defeats like this. It feels kind of really sort of sapping and hard to take. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that, Matthew. For me, with the youngsters, I, you know, I get what you guys are saying. I get Brian, I get what you're saying about um, obviously not being up to level in training, but I'm with Matthew in the sense that, you know, I, 
if we're going to lose these games anyway, why not at least try these guys out there to see, or, or if we're expected to lose these games anyway, like let's try things. Let's, you know, cause you know, we're not, Ancelotti in my opinion would be, um, it would be silly to not at least give Nkunku a chance over the next two to three months with Gordon out and give him an opportunity to prove himself in the match at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. because we know, okay. yeah, yeah. With Dean out. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. but, um, yeah, it would be I don't know. I just there's there's more to learn from that than there is to learn from Fabian Delph playing at left back or whatnot. And obviously there is some player I mean, how long is Coleman out? Do I we, don't think it's anywhere near as long, but I don't think it's anywhere soon. Either. I think Angelotti was kind of keeping his cards quite close to his chest about Coleman on Friday, saying it's kind of a week by week monitoring thing, but yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't play against Burnley, put it that way. Yeah, we do get um, Gabanon back, who obviously will not be match fit right away, but may give us another um, tool in that midfield. I mean, you know, it's there's there's a lot of options. Um, I mean, I don't know, would you guys entertain even? I mean, it's a matter of the problem is is really the the outside the fact that we don't really have other than Kenny another true. Uh, and then Kunku, another true outside back. And, and, you know, if you don't want to play in Kunku, then you kind of have to go with the three, five, two, or whatever you want to do, um, whatever that is. Um, but it's, it'll be interesting to see how he lines up. Um, I would like to see in Kunku, um, that, that left back role or left wing back role. We'll see how that plays out. Um, I mean, with Gordon, obviously I could, you know, I could personally live with him not getting a start. I would like to see him on the bench, but obviously he's not going to overtake Richarlison or, you know, Hamas on the right unless uh, Hamas moves to the middle or whatnot. So, um, I don't know. It's It'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Obviously, we have Burnley next, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but I think we need to try something different and switch it up and maybe give some of these young guys a chance. I think, you know, if it's going to be like this, you might as well give them a chance and see what they can do. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the five telling stats that Pete writes every week. Um, we've talked a lot about this already though, you know, obviously the open play Leeds had 23 shots, Everton had 15 shots. It's the most total shots in the game this season, um, with total, with a total of 15, um, on target between the two teams. Uh, the defense was wide open again, three center midfielders on the bench again, um, and then we've talked a lot about the youth and, 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 you know, the, the, the defeats, but anything else you guys want to, um, mention maybe from the five telling stats or, or anything you guys that we didn't talk about, uh, that you guys would like to talk about before we move on. That three sentiments is a good point. I think I, I agree with Pete on that. That is kind of a waste of a substitute having three of the same position on the bench. Yeah. Um, and it kind of just maybe just speaks to a lack of. I guess variety of options, I guess. Um, because I know one of them was Delphi who ended up playing left back. Um, the other two are obviously Gomez and Sigurdsson, who are kind of similar type of players in some ways. So I just don't think yeah, that's, a, that's a good point that we should raise. That I think you got that bench yesterday and it didn't really inspire any confidence, did you? But there wasn't like a game changer on that bench. Um, and yeah, I said, I agree. Anyway, I agree with Pete that I think you don't need three, three of any of the same position on the on your subs bench. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, no. Go ahead, Brian. 
Yeah, no, it, especially when they're all so similar. I mean, if, if you say three center mids on the bench, I'm not necessarily going to be too upset to start. But, yeah, when it's Sigurdsson, Gomez, Delph, Delph. I mean, and, yeah, Delph, you know, as, as you mentioned, can play the left back to provide some options. But, you know, that's, that's where I think we could, you can really start talking about, well, hey, do we really need three of those? Maybe that's where we have an argument for Gordon in yeah. that type of I mean, situation. It, yeah, I mean, if it was, say, like, Gabamon and one of those, one of Sigerson or Gomez and then a more, like, outright number 10 or, like, more more like attacking midfielder than I would understand that, but it's just because they're such similar types of midfielders, aren't they? So, um, yeah, that's more kind of. Uh, you've also got Ben Godfrey, you can play midfield, uh, Tom Davies, you can play midfield, and James Rodriguez, you can play midfield. So, I don't think you need yeah. it's kind of a waste of a space on the bench, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah, and I guess the average age of the bench, like, go on, Brian, sorry. Oh, well, and, and that's where, too, a, another position, because we have so many guys that can play a couple options. So it's, oh, well, hey, like um, when Bernard came on, you know, it, it's kind of one of those, oh, well, you can bring him on, but then, you know, you can move Davies around, you know, and it won't be the right. You know, there's a lot of options for what you want to do depending on how the game plays out yeah but, yeah. yeah i mean the subs did nothing when they came on the team. i mean after Leeds scored well, there was no kind of well that's the thing well, yeah with those three guys on the bench it, it just didn't feel like when you when Leeds goes up one nothing right or or when we're looking for you know a change of pace so that we can with so that we can you know kind of find a goal you look towards the bench, and there's when you look at the bench, there's not much that excites you about us going forward. When with the players that we had on the bench yesterday, in my opinion, you know, there's not like, you don't you don't look at that bench and and see, you know, Delph, Sigurdsson, Mina, Tosun, Bernard, and Gomez, and be like, wow, like if we really need a goal, we can bring one of those guys on, and we can trust them to get a. You know, it's there's not much excitement there, or not much belief that one of those guys is going to be able to take over the game and change, change what's been happening. So, um, and, and thinking about it, like as you say that though, and I'm thinking, even if we're healthy, I don't know that that changes anything. No, with I agree. our bench. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I, and I, and let, and let's just for argument say, okay, Gordon's in the squad. I mean, I think, our excitement about seeing him on the bench is more of the fact that, oh, young talent is on the bench rather than, hey, we've gone a goal down. Let's, let's go get that back. I I think, and that's, that's an indictment of, I mean, the depth we've talked about ad nauseum, but especially we saw the last couple of weeks without Richarlison is you've got Richarlison, uh, DCL and you know if if both of them aren't on the pitch the offense is going to struggle but that's that's exactly the point isn't it is that the main excitement with Gordon is that like we don't really know what we're going to get because we haven't seen much of him 
because we've seen so much of like Sigurdsson and Gomez, for example, and Bernard, we kind of know what to expect, and it's probably not a lot in most cases. So yeah, I think you're right in that it's not so much like we've seen what Gordon can do, and he's been such a like an amazing game-changing player. It's just that it's kind of like that excitement of not knowing, isn't it? Which kind of works in his favor, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, it's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I did want to point out because I probably his that second best game of the year since really the the opener I think was Pickford. I mean, he he kept us in the game with several big saves. Yeah. Um, and and one thing. I really liked it. I'll put my goalkeeping nerd hat on is that, that first kind of through ball in what was that like the second minute, I think something like that (laughs) super early on where he came out and I'm guessing for a lot of folks, they probably saw it as a bit of a mistake because he didn't get to the ball. He wasn't there and he stayed up, but he, he made a good decision there to not go down and commit. Because I think that's one he had to come out for. If if he stays home, um, that's a shot, and that's probably a pretty good shot that, you know, upper 90 near post, that could be an easy rocket that goes in, and there's nothing he could do. But by coming out, forcing that decision, and understanding he's got defenders that we're actually tracking back, thankfully, you know, and, and on the backside runners. You know, so so it really diffused it to where, barring a, a, an absolute amazing shot or a calamity of errors on a pass, which to be fair, we've seen, you know, he cut it out right away and, and basically forced leads into a mistake um, and narrowed their options. Uh, but, you know, other than that, you know, there, everything was strong. There, there was nothing he was doing on that goal. I mean, that that was a fantastic long range shot um that because of the angle you know he's just you're just not getting to that as a goalkeeper with that speed uh but you know he the kick save was really good um you know kind of to equal leads on our shot on uh, was that decore's shot um from close range and you know a few other good moments as well which was good to see yeah, I, th- I thought, um, like I think you said, probably his best game since the Tottenham game. Um, I think we probably would have lost by more if not for Pickford, to be honest. Um, yeah. But it's just about keeping that going now, isn't it, with Pickford? Because we know that he can have like yeah. one-off games, but whether he can do it over a long spell. Yeah. My I, my, yeah. my only issue, sorry, can I, my only issue with the goal is I don't think he can save it. I just think a bigger goalkeeper would have saved it. So that's not his fault necessarily I just think if we had a more sort of not not dominant but more like imposing goalkeeper maybe you know taller than Pickford and bigger in stature then maybe he could have reached it but obviously given Pickford can't do anything about like his physical limitations then I can't really have a go at him about the goal other than to say that I think I don't know if that's too harsh or (laughs) yeah I I don't know I I I understand what you're saying it's not Nothing he can do to change it, and, and maybe he saves that. But you know, maybe his you know being short also gives him some more agility to get down in some other shots. You know, I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a give and take um, in terms of height and agility and whatnot. I don't know, but um, 
But I, I can see what you're saying where if like a Lossal was in net, maybe he gets that because he's a little bit bigger and a little bit more imposing. Um, but I think overall he's done a really – he did a really good job yesterday. And I think for the most part over the last couple of games, he, he's done a pretty decent job, um, which is good. I mean, listen, um, you know, we get on him a lot. Um, about his mistakes and I mean last few games he's definitely limited those or had no mistakes at all Um, and that's a good thing to see can he keep it up we don't know will it happen will he have a mistake in the next game we don't know Um, but um, definitely good performance I think by Pickford Um, and um, you know even though he did give up the goal uh, I think again maybe if he was taller he would have saved it but but nothing he can really control so no really reason to get, you know, get on him about that. Um, all right. Well, that is it for the Leeds match. That's all we got for you guys on that. We're going to take a quick break, but after the break, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about uh, Everton's next match against Burnley. All right. We're back and uh, talking Burnley-Everton now, the next match for uh, the Toffee is taking place uh, this Saturday, December 5th at 12.30 p.m. over in England. A beautiful 7.30 a.m. start for here, us here in America on the East Coast. For you, Brian, it's 6.30, so even better. Um, Burnley so far 18th in the table at time of recording. One win all season. 17 goals conceded in their nine games. Same as Everton, only Fulham and West Brom have been worse. Last season, Burnley beat us 1-0 uh, back in October. Um, and then in the reverse fixture, Everton won one nothing in December. Um, you know, uh, this will be – is this the first game that they're allowed to have fans in the stands? Or is Burnley – Yeah, but, well, yeah, but, but there won't be any at Burnley because at of Burnley. the tier that they're, they're in tier three, so there'll be no fans on this one. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, all right, but, you know, in terms of Burnley, even though there won't be any fans there, um, what are your guys' thoughts on them so far this season? Matthew? Um, not great. I mean, I I think like probably Burnley have kind of had this calling for a few years because they 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 kind of look like a team that's kind of circled the dream for a while. I know they finished tenth last year and seventh a few years ago, but I think the season in between that they only just survived and kind of never really made for like a particularly enjoy like intriguing watch or you know they're very sort of workmanlike and functional but um and you know they're a team full of grafters but i don't think there's a lot more to them to be honest um but i think they'll give Everton a game and i think it's, it's, it's not like a i wouldn't I certainly wouldn't think see this one as like a nailed on victory because i think um not not only because of everton's own like weaknesses but i think burnley will certainly give us a tough game that's her more, but um, looking at the fixtures we've got after this, I think you really need to look at this one and call it a must-win, to be honest, because you don't know how long we might have to wait for our next win after that. So, although I do always feel kind of weirdly up, more optimistic about playing bigger teams, but you don't know how long we're going to be waiting for the next win. So, you don't want to end up going on like a terrible winless run, like you know, with game after game to play in December. So. Um, I think we really need to go all out to win this one because um, of our recent form and because of who we've got coming up next. Brian? Yeah, I mean, Burnley's shit. 
let's be honest here. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, I mean, that wasn't the way up, I, I was trying to, uh, yeah, trying to put it in a more diplomatic <laughs> yeah, I mean, way. Than that. <laughs> I mean, they're bad, but that's never stopped us from losing before. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, I'll say that, but I, I was looking, you know, they beat Crystal Palace, drew Brighton, lost to West Brom, or sorry, drew West Brom as well, and then they've lost every other match. What was interesting is uh, pulled up their expected goals, and in only three matches have they exceeded an expected goals of one. <laughs> so three of the nine. Like, they are abject going forward and not that great. Um, in defense, much like us. So, you know, it's it's probably the classic. If they're going to score, it's going to be the the counterattack. You know, we do something stupid or whiff on something, they counter, you know, and have a wide open shot. Uh, but, yeah, this is something we should win. I, I also think it's important, yeah, if assuming the plan for fans continues and – does happen um you know i i think it's important to have at least a win get some better results as we go into you know i guess uh the week after hosting chelsea yeah there could be uh some fans you know then a week later arsenal hosting arsenal and eventually hosting city you know it's we're all aware of how skittish the fan base gig can be at Goodison. Um, so I think having some good news there will help a little bit. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's possibly it's the only match we win in December, um, depending <laughs> on how things go. So, Sheffield United as well, so yeah, that's true. They're, they're definitely not the Sheffield United of last year. No. Um, so yeah, that's, when it's two out of seven, two yeah. yes, two out of seven matches, um, you're going, yeah, those are we should win, and maybe the only ones we win, you got to get points. And I'd like to see us kind of come out. I, I even want to see us with a little more pep, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really some of that, I'll say, free-flowing play we saw earlier in the year, um, you know, see, see that again. You know, even if it it's not the best results, you know, I don't. I'm not expecting three goals, but if even if it's a one nothing win, where we're seeing a lot of that combination play and guys getting in, you know, and and not a a little bit of a yakety sacks at, at the back in defense, I, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, I think um, you know, just looking at at Burnley's results in all the matches that they've played, whether it be EFL Cup or um, or um, regular Premier League matches, they have been held scoreless on seven occasions, only scoring against Crystal Palace, Newcastle, and Leicester at the very, very beginning of the season. Um, oh, and Sheffield United as well in, in the EFL Cup. Um, so they, um, they're not good at scoring, um, but – as you mentioned, uh, Brian, it's very, it would be very Everton for them to give up goals to a team that doesn't score a lot of goals. And um, now that we're back in this reality that we're living in once again of, you know, not winning seven of or our first seven games and, and being doing Everton things again, uh, it, it's, it's easy to see Everton giving up a goal 
um, against Burnley, unfortunately. Um, but like you said, hopefully it's more of that free-flowing that free-flowing football. Um, hopefully, you know, we can see much more a promise in attack. Um, I don't know what we're going to get out of the defense. Obviously, what we get out of the defense depends on how Ancelotti wants to set up the defense. Um, and I guess that brings me to my next question. Um, Brian, we'll start with you. What, what, what changes should or do you expect Ancelotti uh, to at least consider making um, in this match? So, and, and I'll go with, I'm going to assume Coleman's not healthy. Um, I think if he's healthy, it's a back four. I mean, I'd prefer to go to a back four with him in Delph um, or go with the three, five, two and he'd slot or three, five, two and he'd slot in. Uh, but I, you know, I'd, I'd probably start Bernard. Like I, 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 in this game, I, I'm less worried about needing to have everyone back because I think it's getting caught on the counter and that's a lot more of mental prep and getting back. So I think Bernard is a left wing back could be an option. I, I, I don't know how much I love it, but I think it provides more attack and I think we're going to be spending more time up there. So I think it, it it's worth the, uh, I think it's worth the risk. Um, you know, I obviously Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, you keep them up top. I don't, you know, the midfield, I, I don't really want to get slower. Um, I, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we could, we could put Sigurdsson, uh, we could just start Sigurdsson and Gomez and be, uh, super slow. But, um, yeah, it. You know, I I'd really love to get Davies out of there. I think Davies at right wing back is just. I you you're really just having another uh, an, another midfielder there that's not getting forward. Um, so you know, I maybe maybe and maybe that's the answer is almost uh, if you drop him. And you kind of have Rodriguez almost playing that role as a just get forward, get mm. you know, get into the attack type of thing. And then, you know, in Rodriguez's place, now this is where I could see maybe going with Gomez. Or, you know, maybe the option is you put Bernard, slide Iwobi over to the right and pull out Davies. That's probably the, the most simple way to do it. And it gets Awobi over there. The other option could be is if you want Bernard in or Awobi, um, but only one of them on the left, and you don't want to put the other on the right. I I could be talked into Rodriguez, kind of dropping back, um, and then maybe somehow getting Gomez involved. Kind of to your point, Matthew, in this one, where I think Gomez could play that. Even, defensive midfielder a little bit more to allow Allen and Decore to get forward. You know, and I think in this match, there's less of a chance of him getting overrun, which can be his real weakness, you know, and, and allows him to kind of set up. But that, you know, I think it's, you're talking minor changes. Maybe one player comes in and you see some sort of rotation that's about all I do. I, I don't think there's a whole lot you can do. 
Yeah, I don't think you can. Um, I just don't think you can play Rodriguez like particularly deep because I just don't think he has a defensive build in his body. To be honest, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you just kind of need to let him do his thing. He's, I mean, it's a good job he's so good at doing his thing because um, kind of makes up for it. But I think, apart from that, I agree mostly with that. I think, I think if Coleman is back, I would go to back to four at the back, and then maybe, I well, it's going either in Kuganku or Delph at left back. I think this is probably one of the better games for Kuganku to play, just because he's probably going to have to do the least amount of defending in terms of out of any of the games we've got in December, probably. Um, with the with the possible exception of Sheffield United, I think. Um, but if it's a back three and Coleman's not fit, then I'd like to see a Wobi go back over to the right. And then if and then if it's a back three, then I would like to see Nkunku because I think that suits him more. Like I said, the added, the added protection of another centre-back, I think, uh, complements him better. Um than it would Fabian Delph, I think, is, is, a, is a much more defensive-minded player than he is. Uh, apart from that, I don't think I'd probably stick with Alan and Decore. I know Decore got a lot of stick yesterday, but I don't think he can play, really. I think, for the most part, he's been good this season. Alan, like we said, was probably our best player. And then the front three, I know neither, none of them really were firing yesterday, but I can't see anything getting dropped. Um, I also think it's a good test for Pickford as well. I'm not saying drop him, but I think it'll be a good test because Burnley are obviously a very physical, very tall team, which um, maybe Pickford lacks, like we were saying before about Leeds' goal yesterday, lacks that sort of presence. Um, I think this is a game where Pickford might come up against it from set pieces particularly, and uh, it'll be good to see how he kind of rises to that test and how he copes with you know what is like we said before. It's not Burnley are not particularly potent attack, but um, be interesting to see how he coaches with you know a lot of long balls and a lot of crosses and a lot of headers and um, things like that, which you know in the past he's maybe struggled with a bit more. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, uh, like you said, if Coleman's back, it's a back four and Kunku on the left, I think. Um, it would be Nkunku or Delph. I, I would like to see Nkunku because I think he lo- offers a little bit more going forward um, or may. Again, we don't know for sure. Um, if it is a back three, I'd still like to see Nkunku on the left. Um, and yeah. and if it probably will be back at that right wing back spot. Um, has Rodriguez been playing out on the right wing or has he been playing more centrally in this three back system? Well, this is what I don't, I don't know, because it kind of drifted. He and Richarlison kind of drifted all over the place yesterday, I, didn't they? Yeah, I feel like it might be, you know, maybe maybe something if he's going to go with the back three, play that three-five-two, and then you know put yeah. Allen and Decore next to each other. It almost feels like Rodriguez has been. Almost feels like Rodriguez and to a lesser extent Richarlison have just been told that they can kind of play where they want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. But you know, we, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see maybe him. I guess play a cam role kind of um, and yeah. then have Richarlison kind of drift to either side of Dominic Calvert-Lewin where the ball is. Um, maybe that would, you know, just, I guess, create a little bit more, give a little bit more solidity in the midfield. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I guess it really all depends on 
what Coleman looks like and if he is actually week to week and may play this week or um, I guess it's it, the biggest, the biggest thing that he would consider would be going back to a, a four in the back or, or, or sticking with the three in the back um, and then who to play in that, that, that kind of the back three and then the two wing backs. But um, anything else you guys want to mention before we head into predictions, obviously you guys both mentioned definitely a must win, I think for this, uh, for this game. Um, but definitely a must win for, for Everton if they want to just at least stay where they are. Uh, they got to win this game. Um, anything else you guys want to mention before we head to predictions? No, I mean, I'm happy to do yeah. predictions. I think. I mean, what, what, two, what do you got? Because I still don't – I can't put enough faith in us to keep a clean sheet. Um, but I do think on the balance of play, given we've got a free, a free week to train, I would think um, quite confident that we will get over the line in this one. So, obviously, 2-1. I can imagine it being a similar kind of game to like the Crystal Palace game or maybe even the Fulham game where it's a bit of a battle, but um, I, I I can see I'm getting three points in this one, yeah. Brian? Yeah. I, I kind of want to say 2-1. Like, I agree. We're not keeping a clean sheet. I just... <laughs> I, I, I don't have the faith that without... I'll say attacking fullbacks, you know, at least one of the two, you know, someone that can help fill that space because Rodriguez and Richarlison both like to, and have kind of been given the license to cut in. So it creates a lot of open space on the flanks and clogs the middle. And if we're not going to utilize that to at least draw defenders out, it's really hard for me to see us getting multiple goals and the offense kind of firing. Um, you know, you're you're almost resu- hoping for free kicks, uh, corners, and set pieces to generate opportunities for Calvert Lewin. Um, so to me, it, I'm kind of thinking a one-one draw here. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm I'm with you guys. I think I, I'm thinking leaning more towards Matthew. I think two-one is what I'm expecting. Again, I mean, I don't know. I, I, this is the the optimism, I guess talking in me but um yeah I think maybe 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 2-1 I think that if we can get some sort of attack going we'll definitely score a couple and then I, I obviously don't think we'll keep a clean sheet even though um I mean I guess you know despite the 23 shots uh that we faced against Leeds it was close we only needed another 11 minutes to get a clean sheet so so who knows um a clean sheet would be good for confidence I think but again I don't think it's – I don't <laughs> knowing Everton, I don't think it's possible. Um, so I'm going to go with 2-1. Hopefully another win. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Brian, thank you uh, for coming on. We appreciate it. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely. Matthew, um, thank you as always. To you guys thank out you. there, thank you for um, thank you for listening. Thank you for, uh, um, you know, keep tuning in and listening to our therapy sessions here. Hopefully it helps you guys out a little bit as well Um, to keep listening. Make sure you keep getting these episodes, make sure you subscribe, follow, download um, on whatever um, platform you guys are listening on. Uh, And we'll talk to you guys next week.